You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Western history has led us to the most prosperous age in the history of humanity, and yet more and more our kids are taught to be ashamed of their country. Are you tired of Common Core, Howard Zinn-influenced revisionist history in our schools? Do you want your family to have fun learning about history that you can trust? Do you want your kids to learn to love history? Then drivethroughhistory.com is for you. The guys over at drivethroughhistory.com have created a world of entertaining, on-location, video-based courses for your kids. They've got ancient history, American history, biblical history, and world history. Perfect for all of you who find yourself homeschooling for the first time. It's fun, and your kids are going to love it. To learn more, head over to drivethruhistory.com forward slash Zuby, Z-U-B-Y, where they've got streamed courses and old school DVDs, and you can use the code Zuby, Z-U-B-Y, at checkout for 20% off any order. That's drivethruhistory.com forward slash Zuby. Go check it out. I am the man, sick with the slang, sick and I'm destined for fame. Do for the fam, not for the grand, stunt me a destined for pain. I do not front, I do not scam, put some respect on my name. Sick like a bang, click and I bang, y'all gon' remember the name. Y'all gon' remember the name. What's up, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls around the world? I would like to welcome you back to the Real Talk with Zuby podcast. On today's episode, we have got on a model and an author. Her name is Elizabeth Pipko. She's the author of the upcoming book, Finding My Place, which will probably actually be out by the time this podcast drops. So you can check that out. Elizabeth, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Awesome. I've done a real brief intro there, but for people who may not be familiar with who you are, tell people a little bit about you. Yeah. So I was born and raised in New York City, and I had this long life before um, 2016 hit when I worked on the Trump campaign, which I kept a secret. Uh, so that I could keep modeling. And then in 2019, early last year, I revealed that secret, uh, hoping just to literally inspire people to not be scared to share who they voted for and to have conversations with other people who may have voted differently, which I thought was going to be very small, but it ended up blowing up. Mm. Um, at that point, I knew I would never model again, and I'd have to do something in politics, which is when I started the Exodus movement, which people said was really just to encourage Jews to leave the Democratic Party. But it ended up being way bigger than that for me. Um, we have a 
actual like C4 non-for-profit side, but also a super PAC side. So I wanted to do something real with my, you know, one shot in politics, which is somehow happened, which was totally unexpected. So that happened and it's turned into a very pro-Israel fighting anti-Semitism advocacy group, which I'm really proud of, Mm -hmm. as well as just a political group to encourage Jews to get the information that they deserve, um, not specifically to tell them how to vote because people have been doing that for much too long. And now I finally have a book out, which I'm really excited about. And it tells my story up until uh, 2019, which nobody ever uh, bothered to ask about and nobody wanted to know about. People just kind of made up along the way with Mm -hmm. what they knew about how I voted, which totally wasn't fair. And I'm hoping the book will let the world know a bit more about me as well as why I believe what I believe. Talk about my parents' story and their immigration to America and hopefully inspire people to not be scared of others, just to have a few different views than they do, because deep down, we all have a lot more in common than we can imagine. Yeah, there's a lot to get into right there. And I'm definitely interested in finding out more about your your background story, because, of course, everyone's backstory shapes up to where they are now. I mean, you're, you're a young woman. How, how old are you now? I just turned 25. Just turned 25, exactly. So it's like in, a, you know, in 25 years, it sounds like a lot of stuff has happened. But um, tell us a little bit more about your, about your backstory. Um, what is it that led you up to where you are now? Yeah, so um, I was born and raised in New York, and my entire family are all immigrants from the Soviet Union. So I was really raised with this kind of pressure of like, hey, you're very lucky to be an American, you're lucky to be here. But also we gave up literally everything we had to come here, and you will make a real life for yourself. It was kind of like a weird responsibility that I felt even at like five or six years old to kind of be the best at everything and like build this legacy so that my grandparents and my parents' sacrifices weren't in vain. So I felt that since I was really little. Um, something I talk about in the book a lot, which I really didn't talk about up until this point is the fact that I was a figure skater. Mm -hmm. I discovered skating at 10 and I moved to Florida to train, um, for the Olympics. That was really my goal. And I trained for years and I was injured severely quite a few times. And then at 15, I destroyed my ankle, was told I would never skate again, probably have problems, you know, walking, running. I spent three years in like very intense physical therapy. I'd say like five days a week Mm -hmm. to the point where I like, Even a year or two after the injury, I was still learning to like comfortably walk up and down the stairs. So that was really rough. And the book kind of talks about that and why that led me to the place that I was in in 2016 and where I am now. Obviously, my life, people don't realize this, but it's literally all about figure skating. Like since 10 years old, that's been the only thing in my life. Even when I lost it, it's all that I thought about. Okay. Um, In the process, I was discovered and signed to a huge modeling agency. And I did that for years, which was really big. But literally, deep down, I'm just like a little 10-year-old figure skater girl. And I mm. hope people see that when they read the book. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, and I knew you were into fig- figure skating. I actually saw um, a video on your Instagram. So I, I saw yeah. that. How did you, uh, tell us a little bit more about the, the modeling. How did, you, how did you get into that? And then following on from it, I'm curious to know, there's something you said at the beginning, which is interesting, which is that you said you kept your political views and opinions and activities quiet because you knew that that would damage your modeling career. So firstly, how did you get into modeling? And secondly, what is it about that industry? I mean, I have some ideas, you know, being a musician myself and being in the creative world, but like, how did you, how did you know that was going to happen? So when I got into it, um, it's a crazy story. I was just discovered like out of nowhere. Um, My mom met a photographer who wanted to like borrow our dog for a photo shoot. It's like a weird, adorable story. 
in return, the photographer did like a half hour photo shoot with me because I was like a 16, 17 year old depressed girl crying about figure skating. <laughs> and my mom wanted me to like have that moment. And she sent the shots over to a top agency who signed me like two weeks later. Oh, wow. So okay. very much out of nowhere. I never thought I'd be a model. Um, and it was really special because I think in the moment I didn't realize it like I do now, but I was in such a bad place. And God literally was like, this is what this girl needs to feel beautiful and feel okay with where she is in life. Because I really, it's in the book a lot, but like I was, I tried taking my life a few times. Like I was, it was just a really bad time to be teenage Liz. So it was really special for me. Um, there's a lot of ups and downs, obviously that come with being in a New York city top modeling agency. But it was good. I mean, I don't regret any of it. And it was really special because it helped me grow and not waste away like I thought I would after skating was taken away from me. Okay. Um, so that was that. And then in terms of politics, I think it was bigger than just like I know modeling leads to like people being scared to come out on the right. It wasn't even right or left. I just I had lost the skating. I didn't have a lot of friends or family around me because I was homeschooled for figure skating already. So I didn't really have like the normal upbringing. And I was just scared to like lose the one thing in my life that I thought was keeping me going. So I knew what family and friends thought of Donald Trump. I knew what the modeling world thought. And it was just a way to keep quiet because I thought I wouldn't have to explain myself and talk. And I knew obviously it was going to lead to a lot of terrible things. Did not realize I would be like blocked and shunned as much as I was. Mm -hmm. But it just... I think at that point, I was like, I want to separate the two things and be these two different people because it felt like in my head, you couldn't be both of them at the same time, which ended up being true. Yeah. So in the modeling world, is it that it is super left-leaning specifically, or is it that it's more just apolitical totally? I mean, it's definitely left-leaning. I feel like you can be apolitical. You can get away with being apolitical. But in general, if you are going to share a political view, it has to be on the left. And Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with being proud of, you know, what you believe on the left. I obviously preach that every single day, but with that should come respect for those that preach something else. And I always thought that in modeling, where we're told at 15, 16 years old to be able to like pose nude and do these things and be proud of our bodies and proud of who we are, and you really mature overnight. Mm -hmm. So you would think that we'd be allowed to use our minds as well. And that doesn't mean voting Donald Trump. I just mean literally opening your mind to the fact that there are other options, Mm -hmm. speaking your voice and being allowed to at least have debates and conversations but nobody was really interested in any of those in 2016. So do you think that's more about you being conservative in general, or do you think it was more specifically with Donald Trump? Do you think it was Donald Trump? Like I personally don't see myself as right leaning as I always say like the internet has like these two opinions of me. And if you ask people on the right, they say I'm too liberal and they don't like me. And if you ask people on the left, they say I'm basically an all right Nazi and they'll never like me. So I feel like I don't actually fit in anywhere. It's just like the Donald Trump name that is Mm -hmm. so polarizing that you can't even bring it up. There are people, I think, that have kind of survived the 2016, like, cancel culture thing for saying they're Republicans but not Trump supporters. But it's like the name Trump that was, especially 2016, but now too, it just like came out of nowhere. And like Mm -hmm. just the word, like just saying it out loud, if you were in a group of people that liked or hated him, you would know in a split second and you'd know if you were welcome or not in a split second. And it just, it literally took over everybody's lives, especially in New York City. Yeah, it's really interesting. One of the things I find most bizarre about the whole, the whole thing is that Donald Trump has been super famous for decades and he's been a big celebrity, public figure, et cetera, for decades. So one thing I find extremely remarkable and also quite disturbing is how just in a couple years time, how the media largely, and also some of his political opponents, but how massively they were able to sort of change the story and narrative about this person. I mean, he's been famous my entire life. 
Right. And I always remember as a kid seeing Donald Trump. I mean, he was really, really like, I'm a hip hop artist. I'm a rapper. I don't know if you know this. He was really popular in hip hop. He was. Right. Yeah. yeah. He was really popular in hip hop. He was, you know, in making cameos in films. Of course, he did The Apprentice. He had best selling books, this and that. So, and all my life, I never heard the, the things people call him now and the accusations that are levied at him and his supporters and anyone to do with him, his administration, et cetera. I'm like, that's weird. Right. I don't I don't remember hearing any of this stuff before. So when did when did he become all of these things? And it seems like we live in this time where people have like a I feel like people's memories don't even extend beyond six months these days. And it's really, really it kind of freaks me out because I'm just like, well, what about this? You know, I remember what people were saying before. I don't know. Even look at something like I mean, again, I'm here in the UK. I don't even watch TV, but um, I don't know, like The View. Okay. How many times has he been, he been on The View? He's been on The View like eight, nine, ten times. At and least, yeah. It was always friendly with, you know, Whoopi and the other women on there and whatever. And they're all like buddy-buddy. And now when they talk about him, it's just like, whoa. Like, like he's okay, the worst thing to ever happen. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's bizarre. Um, so that's just something like I've observed, which I, I do find weird. And I don't know. But in terms of Trump himself, what was it that urged you to get involved in his campaign? Yeah, so I try to explain it to people in the book. I've tried for years to actually explain it to people, put it into words. And I think it's hard because no one was, you know, 19, 20-year-old me, so it's hard to explain. But for me, it wasn't very political. Um, I've loved politics for years, so I was always watching. But it really wasn't that, like, hey, I'm obsessed with this man and all his policies. I don't even think people knew what he stood for at that point. I mean, people were already having him on every TV channel when he was on, like, I think he was only at 3 or 4% in the polls. Okay. Like he hadn't gotten a chance to explain himself yet and he was already everywhere. Mm-hmm. So that's when obviously people started paying attention. Like you said, with hip hop, I knew him as the guy who owned the figure skating rink. Like he owned yeah. an ice skating <laughs> rink in Central Park where I skated as a little kid. He was mm-hmm. there when I got like a medal at my first competition as like a little kid at 10 years old. That's what I knew of Donald Trump. So for me, I was watching this guy who literally had done everything when it comes to business, television, entertainment. I mean, he was adored and maybe for the wrong reasons it was really for money and like his relationships with women and all these different things but he really was adored and now he was taking on like not only the clintons and that machine but i think it was 17 republicans on our side so as a 20 year old girl who had just lost her sport and everything else and really felt like i was at one of the lowest points of my life i'm curious just to watch this like i want to see it unfold much like the entire world Mm -hmm. and i want to see what this man does and then when you see him being torn apart by everybody, that's when you get more and more enthused and you either hate him more or like him more, but you can't stop watching. So for me, at that point, and it's in the book, I was considering trying to come back to figure skating, even though every doctor told me I never could. Mm -hmm. But watching him being made fun of on every single channel and then saying, I'm going to be president one day, that was special and personal for me. It was not because he said, I'm building the wall or whatever it was. That was all, to me, that was all entertainment. Like when he says things, just like he said for years, that's to get a headline and it works and he knows how to do it. So I didn't pay attention to that as much as I was watching this guy who was being torn to shreds by the phoniest politicians on both sides who I've disliked for years Okay. and watching him rise above that. And again, politics is the dirtiest game in the entire world. Everybody knew that before 2016. But for some reason, when he came out, everyone forgot that and assumed everyone else on the stage was, you know, a nun, and he was this terrible person. And for me, it was watching all these people that had been lying to people for years. That's just what I knew of politicians, tearing down this man who was a nobody in politics, who was beating them just because the American people liked hearing him like make jokes. And that was just special and cool for me as a 20 year old. And I wanted to in some way be a part of it because I thought it was 
I mean, it was going to change American history in one way or another, and it clearly did. I wasn't the only one that thought that, but it was just cool to be in the center of New York City watching this man who I had known, like you said, as this like weird hip hop entertainment, everything icon doing this, you know, and it was weirdly inspirational, weirdly cool. And just, I was just curious. Like I wanted okay. to see more because if you want inspiration, like that's inspiring, honestly. Gotcha. And, and how did you get involved? Uh, so I literally went to volunteer. I think they were sending out emails. You can volunteer for any campaign usually. And I was in New York and his campaign was in New York. So that was helpful. And after volunteering three or four times, I actually uh, sat by myself and wrote a letter to the head of the data division saying, hey, like, this is what I think needs to be done in the volunteer center. This is how I can help. Mind you, I was 21 years old with no college degree and no experience. Uh, but they called me in 24 hours and I got a full-time job on the campaign. Okay. So for me in that moment, like it was a moment of victory because I had just, you know, lost my sport and lost this and been bullied for years and blah, blah, blah. And now I'm 21 working on a presidential campaign. So whether you like the guy or not, I thought that could be appreciated by like the average person. Mm -hmm. But I very quickly learned that that was not the case either. Tell us more about that. Um, yeah, I mean, I was just excited to be there. If I had a friend that worked at my age with like our experience on the Hillary Clinton campaign, I would say that was awesome. Like, to me, that's really cool. You're working for someone who was about to possibly be president. And I was doing real things. And I was literally bullied my whole life saying that because I was committing to skating, I was going to lose education and I would never be, you know, a well-rounded human being. I was told when I quit skating, when I didn't go back to school, that I was wasting time. I really had always felt like I was a weird outcast. That's why the book is called Finding My Place. I'm still trying to find it. But I feel like in general, it was just special for me to be there. And I thought people would appreciate it. Because again, I'm not making policy decisions. I'm not doing anything. I'm just working on this campaign that's about to change history in one way or another. And all of a sudden, every neighbor, family, friend, relative, I mean, everyone decided that I was the devil overnight. Tell, 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 us, tell us more about that. Tell me more about that. Like, I'm, Yeah, I'm I mean, curious. I was blocked immediately by like friends, um, photographers, people I'd worked with who I had known for years, not known like on a professional level, but like had hung out with who I thought knew me. I mean, overnight, I was the worst person in the world. And like, obviously when you get messages from the world saying you're a Nazi, you're a traitor, you're, I mean, all these terrible things. And this, hurts. this came from people just literally finding out that you were working right. on the Trump campaign. Yeah. So when you hear okay. it from, you know, the whole world, it hurts. But when you hear it from people that you've known your whole life, who you thought knew you, mm -hmm. that's when it's the worst because A, I'm losing these people. And B, you kind of lose hope in the future because you're like, I've given 20 years of friendship and, you know, to these people, mm -hmm. I thought they knew me and that's not going to work out. And you start to get really depressed. I mean, I don't know how at that point I thought I would ever get married or, you know, have family functions or have a wedding. Because at that yeah. point, I thought most people in my life already hated me for literally nothing. So it's really scary at 21 years old to think, how do you go on from this just in the world apart from Donald Trump? Yeah. And this is coming from this was coming from both friends and family as well. Yeah, friends, family. I mean, literally everyone. Like there wasn't okay. a neighbor that I could pass by who didn't, you know, tell me that I was a traitor to my country, my people, Jews, America, I mean, everything. Okay. To get some understanding of this, were you in a super liberal or super Democrat area at this time? I mean, I'm, I'm asking because like, you know, over 60 million Americans, of course, voted for Trump. Right. Like he, he won the election. So it's not like everyone in America is anti-Trump or anything like that. Right. That's obviously not possible. So I'm, I'm kind of curious as to how it was so one way in that regard. Were you in a little bit of like an echo chamber or a bubble of like the, of the other side? How did that sort of, how did that happen? I'm just curious. 
Yeah. So, I mean, I live in the center of New York City. Okay. So there's that, obviously. Had mm-hmm. I been in like Florida or a different part of the country, it might have been very different. Okay. Um, at the same time, I feel like Trump supporters, because of that reaction, are normally more quiet. So there were a few people that told me, I'm so proud of you. Mm-hmm. But there were some that were probably supportive, but would rather keep their mouth shut. Whereas okay. the ones that were against you, they want to be the loudest in the room. So it was kind of like my husband would always tell me, like, you see a nice comment and you ignore it, but you see three mean ones and it's all you think about. And at this point, obviously, I've grown and matured and I'm okay. But in that moment, even if like an aunt tells you like, hey, I'm proud of you, you can't walk home without two neighbors stopping you saying, hey, I'm disgusted to like know you. And that's really painful, especially from someone who like you don't expect to say that when they've really never had two conversations with you. Yeah. And what was going on in their minds? Like, why? Why are they saying all this stuff? What is it they believe that you, what is it they believed or believe that you are supporting that is so awful and evil that they can come up to you on the street and, and say that to you? Like what, what's going on in, in their brain? Like what right. do they think is happening? I mean, the number one thing I get probably because I did focus on anti-Semitism, the number one thing I get is that I'm a bad person as a Jew that I'm a traitor to the Jewish people. I mean, people have told me Donald Trump wants a second Holocaust. They know this for a fact. And I'm contributing to that. So like, it's at a level. Where where did they get that idea from? I wish I knew. I mean, he does say certain things where they can misconstrue them. When I defended him after he said um, that Democratic Jews were disloyal if they um, didn't vote for him for what he's done for Israel, I defended him. And that's when things blew up quite a bit. But wasn't this later? Wasn't this, when, when did he say that? Was that that was that was as president? No, back in the day, it was okay. mostly homophobia, racism, whatever. But like I said, I kept it a secret in 2016, except okay. for like close family and friends. I announced it early 2019. Okay, so what you're talking about is this happening in 2019? Right. Okay, yeah. all right, that makes more sense because I, I I had the timeline wrong. So I thought yeah, you no, meant people were saying it was this. Just like people that knew my family, gotcha. who knew what gotcha. I was doing. That okay. was very quick, and I learned my lesson, and that's why I took two three years to really tell the world. Okay. I get you now. Cause I was thinking, I was like, or I'm, I was going back to 2016 and I'm thinking, yeah. you know, I, I know, okay. In 2019, the, the media's had their time to spin their narratives right, right. and no, they hated him, but it was but nothing like now. Yeah. Now it's, it's been up several levels now. So, oh, yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah. So in 2019, I mean, what made you, how did you come out of the closet per se? Um, It was weird. I think in the moment I was just tired of like hiding this part of my life. I did not see it as that big of a deal like the world does. Again, it was something I was proud of. I also met my husband on that campaign. So it was like a personal thing for me. It was special. Um, I just I didn't see a problem with saying who you voted for. If anyone had ever asked me, hey, do you want to sit down and discuss different policies? I would have loved to do that. But no one was interested in what I actually stood for. It was just, hey, that's how you voted. We either love you or we hate you. Yeah. So the minute I came out with it, I thought that it would be, or it was maybe for some people, but I thought it was literally just to inspire people to not be scared. I met a lot of people who were Democrats who were scared. I live um, half the year in Florida when I was younger, so I go back and forth now. We still have an apartment there. Mm-hmm. There are people in Florida who are from Republican families who are more liberal and who are scared to share that with their parents. Okay. So for me, it wasn't like a straight, I'm supporting Republicans thing. It was just, I'm telling people, especially young people, in America, the one like the one place my country is like country, my parents escaped to to not be scared of who they are. I am now scared and re- like relatives, friends, young people that I'm hearing from from across the country are just as scared to announce who they supported, which should never happen here. Yeah, it's um, it's a familiar it's a familiar story. I mean, it's um, I've spoken to a few people, even even people on my on my podcast. Uh, last year, I had um, Martina Marcota, who was a uh, you know very well known 
burlesque dancer, I think also also in New York, um, who's a big Trump supporter, and she got totally blacklisted yeah. from her in, entire career. So I've heard these stories, and it's um, I don't know. I don't even know where to where to go with it. I mean, it's it's bizarre to me because I'm someone who's very I don't know. I mean, I I guess I'm I'm sur- I'm absolutely not beholden to anybody. So I can kind of just say whatever I think and feel, and I'm totally right. open about <laughs> about my views. I've said many times if I were American that I'd vote for Trump, et cetera. Um, and yeah, sometimes people will try to yell at me on Twitter or whatever, but I just don't, I just don't care. So I'm very curious as to how it is for people where it's like legitimately impacted their personal lives or their careers, et cetera, stuff like that. And again, it's it's just weird to me because we're not talking about a person or an administration that sort of seized power or something, right? right? You're ta- this, is, uh, this is a democratic election. So it's right. like- To you and me though. But there are people yeah. that have told me that that's what he did. And at that point, <laughs> it's like, how do you, like, I just want to debate policy because maybe you'll find that me and you have a lot more that we agree on. Yeah. But they're so set on, like you said, he seized power, things mm. like that, that I can't even, like, I just want to talk to you. So you realize that you and me are pretty much the same mm. and probably align on most things. And no one will get to that point. What do you think is behind this derangement? I know people like Trump derangement syndrome is a very real thing, like very real. It's not it, the first time I heard the term, I thought people were sort of using it a bit like, but right. I'm like, no, I, it's very, very real. It's like it's almost like there are different realities. And right. And it, it's on both sides. Yeah. It's like either you love him to the point where like everything he says, his family says, his administration says is wonderful, mm-hmm. or you hate him to the point where no matter what he, his family, anyone does or says, he's the worst person alive. Yeah. Like it's gone in both directions to such a point where you can't have normal conversations with people on either mm-hmm. side. And it's, it's weird because I was raised in a family that never voted either way, just because they were immigrants and they just I mean, they went Bill Clinton, they went George Bush. Like, it was just very open. Yeah. And my parents like me to think and they like me to debate. And I never realized that there were kids my same age in, like, middle school who were told by parents already at that age, hey, you should vote this way. Yeah. Like, 10 years before they'd ever get a chance to vote. <laughs> and that only got 10 million times worse. I mean, I see little kids wearing, like, an F Trump or an F Hillary t-shirt yeah. at, like, six, seven years old. Like, that should never happen. Like, we should just let kids be kids. Like, if you want to be involved in politics, you should be. Mm-hmm. And if you don't, you don't need to pick a side and debate whether you love or hate Trump every day of your life with everyone that you meet. Like, it doesn't have to be in every aspect of your life. Yeah. And it's just, it's taken over people's, like, jobs, their, my time at synagogue, people's times at churches, mosques. I mean, every aspect of people's lives, everyone I talk to, it's like everyone starts a conversation and automatically wants to figure out what side of the aisle you're on. Crazy. Wh- where do you think... What's going on with that? I mean, what's happened in the past five years where that's become, because I don't think a lot of people try to blame it on Trump. And I'm like, no, that doesn't make sense. A lot of people say, oh, Trump is divisive. It's because of, I'm not, I don't know. That's not, that's not a fair reading to me remotely, right? I think part of the reason why he even was elected was because that division and split and was already happening. And there was something that he very much tapped into culturally um, where people, yeah, people were looking for an alternative in, in many ways. Like people didn't like the way that things were going. So, cause I, I was, I was one of the people, I mean, I saw, you know, I, I remember in 2015 here in the UK, I remember in 2015 saying to friends and family that I think he had a good chance of winning and people literally laughing in my face. Um, what my only regret is I never put money on it. 
but uh, <laughs> I think the I odds were, yeah, I think the odds were like 40 to one at something at the time I was thinking of betting. Um, but yeah, I just don't know, you know, in my whole lifetime, I, politics always gets heated, but it's like in the past five years, in the past five, six years, it's like people have really, a lot of people have actually become deranged, like deluded, delude, yeah. like they believe things that are, they make things up. They believe things that are not true. They just, they'll say that if I, I don't know, someone will be going super anti-Trump on me and I'll say, okay, tell me what the worst, like, what's the worst thing you think he said or he's done? And they'll say something that he's never said and never done. And they'll, and they're so adamant that he said this thing. And I'm like, he never said that, right? He never said I, that. He never did. And, those fights. Yeah. And it's, it's just odd to me because, because I get, I always get people being like, yeah, Zuby's like super mega, Zuby's super pro. I'm like, 90% of the time, I'm just telling the truth. I'm not even saying, I'm not specifically saying like praising him or going in this camp or whatever. Like I have my own views, but 80%, 90% of the time, I'm just trying to say what is honest and say what is true. And then, then at the same time, right, people will always say like, oh, Donald Trump lies so much. And I'm like, you're lying about Donald Trump. Like you're lying to me by saying he's saying all this stuff. I don't know. The whole thing's just, it's weird. Like sometimes I try to just disconnect from it all because it just gets maddening, but yeah. I just see it and you see it online, but then in real life too. And it's just like, what's, I don't know. I don't know if you have any insight on what is going on collectively in so many people's brains. I think the, I personally think the media is very, very responsible for it, but I don't know what your thoughts on that are. Yeah, no, I agree on the media thing. I think they've taken it to like a weird new level where before they knew people watched them for the news, they had their biases, but they were there to tell us the news. Mm -hmm. And now it's like two different camps. Whereas when I was younger, if someone was watching Fox or CNN, no one said, oh, you must have voted for George Bush. You must have whatever. No one assumed. Whereas now you walk into a place and you know if there's Fox on or whatever on, you know how someone voted. That's already strange. Like that should not be happening. And it's not news. Like Mm -hmm. that's number one, 100% you're right on that. On top of that, it's like a weird, I think when I was younger and people still make jokes about it all the time, which is why I don't understand where their brains have gone, but it was always politicians versus us. Like people knew politics was dirty. Um, everyone knew not, I mean, it was just implied. You don't talk, trust politicians. There've been like so many sitcoms about it and movies and things. And all of a sudden it became this politician is our icon and our God. And we will think that's our religion. And we mm-hmm. will back this politician over our actual values and morals. And I don't know where that came from because that was never the, really never the case. Like it was politicians versus us. And now it's, we will defend that politician to the death. And when they get out of office, they don't care about us anyway. So we're all losing here because the politicians are going on to their lives and they're okay. Mm. And now it's become, we will take the side of this politician over our fellow American who we don't even really know. That's the problem. All of a sudden it's like, that has become our religion. Whereas before people were known, I mean, they had values and beliefs and people little boxes that they filled in. I mean, there's a hell of a lot more to me than how I voted in 2016. Yeah, sure. But all of a sudden, that's your religion. Like, that's it. People mm. think that's how you base every decision in your life. And it's certainly not for me. And I, I pride myself in being kind of like what you just said. I'm just my own person. Like, I, I don't like that people are like, oh, the Trump supporter girl, because I'm so much more <laughs> than that. And I don't even know what that means. Yeah. But people want to put you in a box because it's easier. Then they don't have to get to know you. They just have to say, oh, I don't like her. I'm uncomfortable around a Trump supporter. I'm uncomfortable around a Hillary Clinton supporter. That's it. And it's dangerous because I grew up in the most diverse place in the world. And I think that's why I appreciate all these different people. But if you grow up only in like little boxes where you're comfortable, where all five, six people around you voted for the same person and go to the same church and believe in the same thing, 
how will you ever grow as a person? Like my views have evolved so much from when I was 10, 11, 12. And I said, I'm a Republican or I'm a Democrat, like my other friends did. Mm-hmm. And all these other people, they don't want to evolve or grow. They just decide that's who they are. And I see 16, 17 year olds dedicating their social media and their lives to inspiring other either Democrats or Republicans. Mm-hmm. And it's like, there is so much more out there. You can meet another person and change your mind or experience something and change your mind or watch or view. Or, I mean, the world is gigantic and people for some reason just want these same 10 people around them that have the exact same views as them, specifically political. And it's, it's dangerous, especially for young people growing up. Like that's the opposite of what America has been. And I don't think they realize like what cost it's going to have for young people right now. Yeah, it's, it's weird. It is weird because it's something that's always existed to a degree. But I mean, I don't know if the, maybe it's just cyclical. Maybe it's something that every few decades it just sort of amplifies and peaks up like this, and then it kind of goes back to normal where politics fades more into the background, and then maybe at some point it becomes this polarized again. I don't, I don't know. I mean, if I sort of take a glance at history, that seems to be, right. that seems to be the case. So maybe we're just sort of like peaking, and midst, it'll, yeah. yeah, and it'll kind of chill out again, maybe over the next ten to twenty years. But um. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Which way do you think it's going to go? Do you feel optimistic about that? I mean, looking at, I'm thinking about like the cohesion of America. Again, like I'm British, but if I look at the US, it seems like, you know, it's almost not geographically because uh, the US is a little, little bit weird, but it's like, it seems like it's, it's fracture. It's very, it's fracturing ideologically right. almost to the point where you've got, it's creating two camps with different versions of history different readings of like rights and laws, different readings of like good and evil and everything like that. And the willingness to talk to each other and interact. You, I mean, you were talking about people blocking you, people like, you know, and, and that's disturbing, right? Because when, when people don't even, it's one thing to disagree, but to not even be willing to interact with or be seen with or be friends with, even online with someone who thinks differently or votes differently, that all is new to me, you know, like it's relatively new. So, and and the people I know personally, like I've got, um, I mean, maybe I'm blessed in this regard, but I mean, within my family, within my friendship group, et cetera, like people are not like that at all. Like there's a big range of different viewpoints and different thoughts and people vote for different people and whatever, but we all like each other and love each other. And they're, I can't see it ever getting so sort of hostile. I mean, I just hear so many stories of like, oh, I, I, I don't speak to my parents anymore, or someone loses their sibling, they don't talk to their siblings anymore, or oh, my best friend of 20 years no longer talks, uh, all that kind of stuff. I'm just like, what? Like, I know it happens, but I can't personally relate to it. So I don't know. I'm just wondering what it is that has, that's caused that. And wh- where do you think it's going, though? Where do you think it's going? Yeah, so... Unfortunately, I can relate. Like, I'm jealous when you say you have friends with like different viewpoints. Genuinely yeah. jealous. Like, I miss that. I miss having people that I knew loved me. Mm-hmm. So I could say whatever it was that was on my mind. I knew that I would get an honest opinion in return versus, you know, you're a Nazi, walk away, yeah. which I get regularly. Like, I shouldn't even hear the word Nazi regularly in not. my life, you know, and I get that now all the time. So I wish I had that friend group. Like, I and love you're, you're, that. And you're Jewish, right? Just for. Yes, extra. yes. Yeah. Orthodox okay. Jew. <laughs> it, it's, it's so stupid. But yeah, of course. that's what's, it's crazy. Like you said, like I literally miss that. And I miss it. And I, you know, I don't have kids, obviously, but I hope for it for my kids. Like I don't know where they're going to be. I don't want kids to grow up around Republicans only. Like that's strange to me. I want 
a 10 year old daughter who has a friend on both sides or whatever friends she wants so that yeah. she can have an opinion of her own and not have opinions based on her parents and whatever, you know, Fox or CNN that's plastered on in the house 24 seven. That's just, mm -hmm. it's silly to me. And it's also silly because I don't know what you want from like, when you do this, I don't know what people want from us. Like, I'm so happy to enter into a conversation and I will be as kind as possible. And yet they don't want anything. Like they don't even want to enter into that conversation. And it's like, what else can I do? Like, I feel yeah. like I'm almost begging people to be not a friend, but at least someone that will have a conversation and they won't do it. And it's, it's, it's sad and it's scary. And genuinely, I don't, I mean, I have hope for the big picture, but for like the few years coming up, I don't, I'm really afraid. Mm. And I don't know if, Donald Trump winning or losing will change that either way because I feel like the media has kind of created this monster. Yeah. Like, I don't know what could happen, whether he wins or loses. Let's see, he's gone in November or gone in four months. They've still created this divide that will now continue on. You've either created a bunch of Republicans that will be mad when Joe Biden loses and start this all over again mm -hmm. or vice versa. Like, it's not going to automatically get better because you've tied all our problems to Donald Trump, who's now mm -hmm. gone. That's not going to happen. You've created a literal monster out of mm -hmm. young children. When I was 11 or 12, I didn't have social media. I didn't know who was in office. I didn't care. And now these are little kids that are posting like literal propaganda on both sides. Yeah. And it, it ter like I don't like being on social media because it terrifies me. So I can't imagine being a little kid and not being able to just sit with my, you know, other little kid friends and discuss the things that we just learned. I don't want, you know, five, six year olds talking about abortion. I don't think that's healthy. I don't understand where it's coming from. Yeah. And again, I don't think people realize where it's going to take us. Like it might seem cool now that you've separated people and everyone hates those that you hate. But in 10, 15 years, where are your kids going to be? Like, what are they going to learn from each other? Where are they going to go? People are literally afraid and uncomfortable to be around someone who voted differently when they could be the exact, I mean, literally the exact same person. Like I had friends that I grew up with whose parents knew my parents back in the Soviet Union. Like we were so close and those people ended up, you know, teaming up with Antifa and like spreading my address around and trying to like harm me. Really? Like, and these were friends like for years. Like, this is why I say like, I'm so jealous when you say you have those friends groups. Like, I just want that. Yeah. I don't want to be like the Trump girl, the anything girl. I just, I am my own person. And I would love to tell you why I voted the way I did. I'd love to hear why you voted the way you did. And hopefully learn from each other as we grow. Like, there's no need to make a stupid, you know, the circling of Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump's name on a ballot in 2016. Yeah. That should not be the deciding factor for where you go as a person, you know? What do you, what do you think it is that people fear, right? Like, if someone blocks you on social media or someone stops talking, like, what do they think, what do they fear? You know, that's something that's rooted in fear. So what, what are they afraid of? Like, what do they think Elizabeth is going to do to them? You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I mean, what, I think... What's going on there? big picture is like, what is my boss going to do to me? Or what is a friend going to think of me when, you know, like I've had a few friends that stick around and I'll go and, you know, be at a birthday event or something. And she'll say, Hey, when they ask what you do, just like, don't mention this, Yeah. you know? And it's like, I don't want to mention his name anyway. God forbid I'll get yelled at. But like, I've been friends with you for 15 years and you're scared to tell your friend that your best friend of 15 years, like worked for this man. Mm -hmm. Like that's sad, but at least there it's like, it makes sense. You're scared of losing your job or losing, you know, it's like a bigger picture. Yeah. But then there are people that are my age that are like, I will not discuss this with you. Like you are a Nazi. Like they literally won't even, they can't explain what it is that they fear. What did they, See, like, th this is the thing though. I mean, there. like what possesses, this is the thing. I, I mean, I've been trying to work this out for a, for a while. Same. Right. And it's like, <laughs> what possesses someone to call an Orthodox Jew, a Nazi. a Nazi, what possesses someone to call a black person, a white supremacist, right? Like yep. just on the most basic level, on the most superficial level, Anyone should be able to realize just how stupid that is. It's, it's almost, it's so dumb, it's almost not offensive. 
You know, yeah. like if someone calls me a white supremacist, which is that which happens, I'm just sure. like, it, it, okay. it, it, like, I have to laugh because it's so dumb. It's just like, why, what? Like, are you, oh, yeah. <laughs> like, no, where, I mean, where do you I even begin? Laugh, just like, but now I'm like, where the hell do we go from here? But no, yeah. I mean, it's, on one level, it's really funny. Yeah. And on another level, I'm like, what if I had kids? Like, what if my yeah. six year old got spit on like I did? Like, then what would happen? Like, mm. I usually laugh at home and I'm like, this is so ridiculous. But I mean, I've been called a Nazi by someone like in synagogue. That's happened. I mean, it's like by grown adults. I'm not talking just kids, like literally yeah. had it from all over. And it's like, what is going to happen? Like, this is just the beginning. Like, let's say mm. Donald Trump stays in office and wins reelection. Or, you know, God forbid we keep doing this and he's gone and you do it with the next two candidates. Like, yeah. what is going to happen? This is the beginning. Like, what if it gets worse and worse and worse and there's separate schools and separate, you know, like then what happens? Mm. How do you think um, you, you mentioned this becoming people's new religion a lot of times? How do you think? How do you think religion or perhaps loss of some aspects or loss of impact of some aspects of religion, et cetera, in culture and society and communities has maybe played into this? What do you think? I've got some theories, but let me know what you think. Yeah, I mean, in general, and my husband has been in politics for years, and he always explained this to me, politicians and political campaigns are known to play on people's emotions. Like, that's how they get their donations, it's how they convince people to vote. Mm -hmm. Those emotions can either be love or fear or hate or, you know, all these different things. And I think at before 2015, let's just say, it was at like a very safe level where you had emotions for like different political causes. And all of a sudden, that's been elevated to like these emotions that cause you to actually fear and hate people that you don't even know, which is really scary. And that level of commitment can only come from religion. Like that's almost like a cult mentality that we've only ever seen in people that are, you know, very, very religious. Mm -hmm. And as an Orthodox Jew, I've seen it on some level. At the same time, it's never hit me, but I have seen it and I have feared it growing up, the more religious that I got. So when you see it happening for something as silly as politics, that's when you're like, okay, we're going in a really bad place. Mm. Because when you play on people's emotions to the point where they think that these different political, like, I don't know, political groups, political people, politicians, candidates, whatever it is, are, I don't want to say profits, but like they're new profits. Like that's the people that they now have to answer to in order to be safe. Like that's a level of fear that they're playing into, which eventually takes over their life. If you think that the Republicans are really all out to get you, you're eventually going to do whatever you can to harm them and, you know, protect whoever's going on against them. Like yeah. it's at a level where it's like you genuinely think that your life is going to be in danger and these people that disagree with you actually want to hurt you. And it's like the emotions have been played to such a degree that people are giving their money, their time, their effort, their soul, their tears, everything to different political campaigns, which are making more money than ever. And, you know, they're living the dream, but all of us are suffering. Yeah. Do you think we just need less politics? <laughs> I have always said that. Um, yeah. <laughs> literally, I dream of a day when I don't know who the hell is in the White House. Like, at yeah. some point, I don't even want to know. It's just like, I used to be obsessed with politics when I was little. Like, I would okay, watch all the TV shows. Yeah, Hillary Clinton came to, like, read a book to my class in kindergarten. And I was like, oh, my God, I want to be Hillary Clinton. Okay. Like, I just thought they were so cool. And then you see it. Like, I've been in it the last few years. I've never seen a worse collection of people in okay. my whole life. Just, like, the dirtiest, most disgusting. I mean... Literally just different people playing on your emotions and hoping to, I mean, they work based off of our donations. Like it's mm. just, let's impact people as much as we can to the point that we either scare them to the point of donating or make them love us to the point of donating or make them fear each other to the point of donating, whatever it is. And then they have enough money to keep going. Like that's politics, like in a nutshell. And that's really scary. Like who wants to be a part of that? And in the process, all the politicians end up having dinners together and, you know, they don't care. And we're the ones that are suffering. Like we're yeah. the ones losing our dollars and our sleep and our friends and our family members. Like you said, people are losing parents over the guy in the White House. Like how yeah, does that nuts. make any sense? 
Yeah, no, no, it doesn't. It doesn't. It's it's really, really weird. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, it's something I think a lot of people have been looking at and thinking about for the last few years. In terms of the actual presidency, though, I mean, how do you think? Um, I mean, com- we're coming up to. Can't believe it's almost four years already. But um, how do you think? How do you think Trump has done as a president, as someone who actually helped to get him there? Yeah, I mean, it's a loaded question. It's complicated. Um, it's not there's a lot of things. Loaded, that- but- I know, right? There's a lot of things I agree with and a lot of things I don't just because I am normal and I'm not going to align with someone on everything they do. Like, Mm -hmm. I just don't believe in that. Um, I do think before coronavirus, we were in a really good place. Um, I don't know what you can expect from politicians apart from, you know, keeping us safe and keeping food on our tables. Like when they say the economy is good, that's what I want to hear. I don't want to hear that the president is not you know, a bully on Twitter is a bully on Twitter. I don't care. Like that doesn't do it for me. So if the economy is good, he's done, you know, one of very few jobs that he has. Like, that's important. So I do think the country was in a decent place, um, at least for what he promised he would deliver, like he did. And that's really special. And something that I was proud of, like when the guy comes in and delivers, because in general, politicians do nothing. Like, mm-hmm. that's good. That's important. Um, coronavirus has been, I think, really, really tough. Um, mm-hmm. It is, I thought, genuinely, as sad as it sounds, I thought it would bring people together. Um, I lost two relatives. I thought watching people literally die Um, would bring people together. So you realize like what the hell really matters in life. And instead it went even further in both directions. Republicans are killing us. Democrats are killing us. That's it. I mean, I think honestly, it's what changed everything for me. I wish I could say the same for other people, but I remember posting like a picture on my husband's birthday of us at a restaurant. We were wearing masks and I had like three friends who are Republicans text me and say, you're wearing masks. You make Donald Trump look bad. Like take the masks off. And it's like, what the hell are you talking about? I just don't want to get COVID. Like everything has been politicized. Yeah, right. And I really I thought COVID would like stop. Like I thought people would be like, oh, people are dying. Like people are really sick. I lost two relatives. I don't care what you voted for. I just care that everyone's okay. And all of a sudden, it's just even like it went in both directions to the extreme. I'm disappointed in things Republicans have done, disappointed in things Democrats have done. I'm disappointed that people stop me on the street for wearing a mask or not wearing a mask and yell at me saying that I'm affecting different politicians they care about. Like I don't care. I just want everyone in my family to be healthy. And I wish we could like make that our priority again and put politics aside. Yeah, it's nuts. I feel like a lot of people are just in other people's business too much as well. And this whole pandemic and the response to it has just brought out. I feel like it's we've seen every type of collective human psychology this year. Right. Like all of the. It's weird. Like, you know, when you look at certain things that happened in history or certain things that happen around the world and you just really struggle to understand them, like, how, how can that happen? Right. But right. we've just seen the madness of crowds, right? From extreme fear and what that does to people, you know, whether they're panic buying toilet paper or they're, right. We, like, we've, we've seen that. Oh, yeah. We've seen the whole, like, you know, people acting like they're the, the Stasi or something who are like going around and calling the cops on their neighbors for, sunbathing in their garden or you know people assaulting people for not wearing a mask or people getting yelling at someone for wearing a mask or just all of this um, and then gosh the the all the protests and the riots and the looting like every sort of mass psychosis and like disturbing collective human behavior i feel like 2020 has just been month after month of that and to me it's been it's been very enlightening in a way but it's also been like really disturbing. You've just seen how quickly stuff can go from, I mean, this time last year, you know, we were, you know, people were kind of chilling and 
Yeah, summer vacation. Yeah, you know, January. Cool. Yeah, 2020, you know, 2020 vision. Let's go. Like new resolutions, whatever. And now the past six months has just been like all over the world too, right? Like, you know, US, UK, like Asia, like just everywhere. It's just, it's very, um, it's very weird. And and like yourself, I did hope because for many years I've been saying we need, we need, um, for many years I've been saying we need a war. And I've been saying that half jokingly, like obviously I don't want a war, but as in so many problems in the West, in the modern West seem to just be from too much surplus, too much comfort, total loss of perspective, loss of gratitude, just thinking, okay, like we're just, we're just whatever. You just see, you see the things people argue about online and the things people get outraged by and whatever. And I'm just like, seriously, like we need a war, right? We need, we need a common enemy. And so I did kind of hope like yourself that, okay, maybe this thing will be a uniter. Um, I also felt the same after the, you know, after the George Floyd killing, right? I thought, okay, temporarily, look, right. everyone's on the same page. And then just within hours. Same thing. It went in just oh, like terrifying directions I've never even seen from either side. Yeah. And it's still going. And it's still going. Oh, yeah. like, no, no. Has- I mean, I, I think I posted something and just, I mean, literally said racism is terrible. Like I cried watching the video. I can only assume how others cry. Like this is awful. I had to get off social media for like a week because I yeah. was called every name in the book. And it's like, I said, racism is bad. I didn't say anything about politicians. I didn't take anyone's side. Like, come on, you know, whether it's wearing a mask, standing against racism, like the most basic things in in where you would think in America, the easiest country to believe in different things and stand for different things. It's just out the window. Yeah. Uh, So tell us a little bit about your book. You've got your new book, which is, um, as we're recording this, it's not out yet. It's coming out in a couple of weeks. Is that right? Yeah, so it's out August 25th, which okay. is actually the 40th anniversary of my dad leaving the Soviet Union. Okay. So that's really special. Um, I think as I was writing it originally, it was a personal story, but also a bit political. I just wanted people to understand where I came from and why I believed in what I believed in. I also gave you know, a decent recap of election night or a bit of the campaign story, because I think no matter what side you're on, you'd be curious. I mean, that's American history, and I think that's cool, and it's in there. Um, and then... As I was editing it, I think COVID hit right at that point. Okay. And I delayed the book by two, three months just because of COVID anyway. And I had a few more months to edit. And I was like, look, there's way more important things than politics. So it's less political, thank God. Um, obviously, my views are in there. But it's just, it's about healing our nation. Like, it's not that hard to listen to a story about where I was on election night and still not hate me. You know, I'm just mm-hmm. recapping it because I want people to know because it's cool. I mean, the man was not supposed to win. And I got a front row seat to watching him win the election. And that's in there. But apart from that, it's kind of what I've seen in politics, which has been really, really dirty. Why I pray and hope it does not continue to divide us the way that it has. Mm -hmm. And then also talking about my parents, uh, their story coming to America, everything they gave up, basically growing up here, totally homeless um, to, you know, making an American dream happen. What that means for me, um, what it means to me watching all these people just destroy and hate America and our history and everything else, hopefully trying to bring back a little bit of patriotism. Mm -hmm. But also, I just want to like I want to humanize other people, I think. People on the left don't see me as a human. They see me as like a weird Trump robot, which I'm not. And if you actually ask me where I, you know, where I stand on different issues, you'd realize I'm probably a lot more left than you think. And I'd get more hate from the right. But just telling my story, my story on the ice, my story in modeling Mm -hmm. um, as a woman in politics, just all these different things that I think stand way above, you know, Donald Trump in politics. And just hoping to bring people together because I think we just we have to try while we still can. Yeah. How do you think? um, What do you think is the way forward? I mean, I, th- I think obviously dialogue is important, yeah. but how can that be reached if, um, 
I guess two questions here. How how can that be reached? And two, is there uh, maybe like a point where, you know, I'm I'm ever the optimist, but you kind of said before it's too late. I mean, what would what would too late mean, right? Would there be a point where it's like, oh gosh, like, I mean, if people aren't willing to talk, then you can't do anything, right? Yeah, I mean, I think like you said, between the George Floyd killing and COVID, it was. It still is a really bad time. Like that's, I think, where we hit like our lowest point, at least since I've been alive. Like that was just, I mean, it was scary. I mean, you felt like walking around, people wanted to hurt you. Like there's people walking around, you still make eye contact now. And you could just tell people are angry. They've lost their jobs. They might've lost family or friends. They're angry about the George Floyd murder. I think everyone hates each other, which is ironically actually true as well. I mean, everyone looks like they're out to get each other. Like it's a really bad point right now. And I don't want to say it's, you know, rock bottom. I don't want to say there's no hope, but it's really scary. And I think dialogue has to be number one just because it's instant and it's quick and it's easy and it relies on nobody else. And I've had so many conversations with people that say that after, you know, five minutes of talking to me, they realized I wasn't, you know, the devil or evil or whatever it is. I mean, literally, there's people that will always call me a Nazi and spit on me and never talk to me. But there are people, people that actually are spit on you. Yeah, a few times. Really? Um, once or twice when i was on the campaign just people were like protesting outside so anyone that had like the trump pence like team jacket which i stopped wearing immediately we got like yelled at and spit on a lot walking in and like five or six times since then once really yeah once it was like i think she was like 50 60 like a regular older woman who was a friend of a friend who was a trump supporter we were not even talking politics and it was right after um the synagogue had been shot up in california the guy walked in and I think he actually murdered one person and then shot like six or seven people. And I was on Fox News that morning talking about it. So I had read the manifesto and people were asking me just about the guy and how crazy he was. Yeah. And the woman told me, well, if you, you know, if you worship Donald Trump, you end up killing Jews. And I said, let's just take a step back. He actually was not a Trump supporter. And I started telling her I had read the manifesto. And these people actually are saying that Donald Trump is too nice to Jews and too nice to Israel. And he didn't like that. Yeah. And she said, I don't have time to speak with a Nazi right now and spit on me and walked away. And that was in a restaurant, fellow Jew. I mean, literally, I wasn't defending Donald Trump. I was just stating that this guy who but had murdered it, a woman. The, the thing is, you shouldn't even like, have to say it. Like, no. <laughs> the, even if you were defending Donald Trump, right? That's the thing is like, it doesn't yeah. matter, right? There's no, I don't know. Yeah, ma'am, I'm sorry that happened to you. I'm sorry yeah, no, that, thank you. But it's like you said, it's up. just, it's, it's weird. Like, I don't want to yeah. use a worse word. It's just, it's so weird. I read the manifesto of this lunatic who just murdered someone, had to be on TV discussing it. Like I had cried. It was a Jewish holiday. I think it was Passover when he did it as well. Yeah. Um, and that was it. Like we were talking as Jews, like how terrible this is that it's happening. My synagogue has had, you know, armed security ever since. So I think it's something Jews can sit in a room and discuss. Like, it's really scary. And instead it's like, you're defending Donald Trump. You're the worst person. Yeah. So. I mean, just dialogue. Like maybe if she had stayed five minutes, she would have realized I wasn't defending Donald Trump and was actually just talking about the shooter. I don't really know what she heard. People hear different things. They hear what they want to hear. Absolutely. If you just talk, you'll realize that people on the other side of the aisle have a lot more in common with you than just, you know, what you think. There's a Mm -hmm. lot of people in my life who are on the left right now, maybe because of modeling or because of skating. I have coaches, um, just friends in New York, the few people that have stuck around. Mm -hmm. I say this a lot. I actually have more friends on the left than on the right. And maybe that's why I'm more open to having conversations because I've seen it work and I've seen these people that have treated me better even than some people on the right. So that's why I'm more open. A lot of people don't have that. Like they just have their circle of people that agree. And that might be why they're so terrified to talk outside of that. Yeah. Do you think maybe a problem is even sort of the terminology we use? Like if you say, you know, even referring to people as being on the left or on the right, I think maybe that in itself, like I'm, I'm very careful 
once every few weeks. I might actually use the terms like the left or the right just to get people to understand something. But I mean, I myself, like, I actively really avoid using those terms just to stop creating that false right. binary, especially given that like, most people don't even vote. <laughs> I think there we forget go. it's like most people don't even most people don't even vote. So as far as people are political, it's like firstly it's a minority that's even political. But even of those who are, yeah, you have got your like purist, you know. Uh, conservatives or Republicans or right-wingers, and you've got your purists, you know, socialists or lefties or liberals and Democrats or whatever. But most people, and I think, I think we forget this, right? I think if you watch the media all the time or you spend a lot of time on like politics, Twitter, then it seems like, oh my gosh, it's just this left, right, left, right. right. Like ev everyone's on one side and it's just like back and forth. But, but in the real world, you know, when you go outside, if you walk around New York City, if you go to the park, if you go, go to the gym, whatever, it's like, oh, people. You know, it's just, yeah. it's, it's people, you don't, you don't know, you don't know people's religions, you don't know their political, you don't, you don't know, it's just people and people are generally like civil and cordial, etc. Um, so it's always weird to me. It's like, there's this, um, I don't know. It's like, there's almost like there's, it's like there's two worlds, like there's, right. there's two different worlds and going on. And one of them to like label those around them immediately yeah. so they can figure out where they stand. Like, that's the weirdest part. It's like, I have to figure out which world you're a part of before I open my mouth. So I know what I can or can't say. Yeah very weird yeah well hopefully there's a there's a way forward but um yeah. we will see i think so i think conversation is uh essential and um yeah i hope that uh you know again like i'm a i'm an outsider but i'm someone who's a big fan of america i've got a lot of fans and friends and supporters and family over there and i don't want to see the you know it's a great country it's a, it's a cool right. country and i, I don't want to see it come apart any more than it sort of needs to and it's it's sad that there seem to be a lot of americans let me not even say a lot but there's a there's a vocal minority right. who seem quite keen for that to happen right they seem to actively they seem to actively want to undermine and destroy sort of what makes the usa the usa and i think that's uh i don't know i think that's a huge shame and i think actually it's Funnily enough, I think people who come over there as immigrants oftentimes appreciate it a lot more <laughs> than people oh, yeah. who are sort of like, you know, born and raised there and maybe haven't traveled outside of it, et cetera. Exactly. And they think that America's this awful, you know, oppressive hellhole or something. And I'm a little bit like, what are you comparing it to? Like, right. where have yeah, you been? If my parents didn't give me like the stories that I grew up on, my parents, grandparents, literally ingrained in my brain is like, every dinner at my grandparents' house. It's like, just so you know, you're so lucky to be here. Like you couldn't go to, like my mom couldn't go to synagogue back in the yeah. Soviet Union. My mom was beaten regularly in classes for being a Jew. Wow. Like we can do anything in America. I always say, my dad always says, I think it's an Oscar Wilde quote. If you're too open-minded, your brains will fall out. Yeah. Like that's literally <laughs> where we are. Like you should just be grateful to have what we have. We should focus on our family and putting food on the table. All these things that people around the world do not have. They don't get to worry about Donald Trump. They have real problems. And we've just become the society that hates each other over something as silly as Donald Trump and has forgotten everything that came before him, everything that could come after him. And it's, I mean, I've said it so many times now, but I'm scared. It's really, really scary. Well, I think it'll get better. It'll get better. I hopefully, hope so. hopefully so. Yeah. Elizabeth, I know you're not a big fan of social media, but where can people find you online? Um, Elizabeth Pipko on, I want to say Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Awesome. And um, where will people be able to get the book as well? Is that on Amazon? Um, yeah, it's Amazon, Barnes & Noble, basically anywhere. Awesome.
Elizabeth, thank you so much for coming on the show. Really good to thank talk to you. you. Thank you. A new year, time for new growth. Grow your education and skills with Herzing University. Our online behavioral health programs fit your schedule and time. From an eight-month diploma program in health and human services to a 36-month bachelor's in psychology. Grow your behavioral health career with us wherever you are in your education. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Visit us online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109. Online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.